The sermon passage today is from Matthew 23, verses 1 through 36. And then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the marketplaces, and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves, nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold of the temple or the, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it, and whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it, and whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpent, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah to the blood of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You guys may be seated. As you take your seat, let's pray together. Our great God, we pray to you now in the name of Jesus.
Jesus, your son. Jesus, the redeemer. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the one who brings your blessing and your salvation and your healing and your hope to the world. Jesus, the one who allows us to find the freedom from the bondage of sin and death. Jesus, the one who gives life. Jesus, the one who frees us. Jesus, the one who guides us. Jesus, the one who sent the Spirit to give us your presence and your power for this life. Jesus, the one who has made our way into the life to come. Our hope is in this Jesus and in his name we come to you, Father. Now, Father, this is our prayer. Our prayer is that there are some in this room who have never met your love or mercy or power through Jesus. And so we pray today that you would bring salvation. Our prayer is that there are many of us in this room who know your son, who have been redeemed, who have your spirit, and yet what we see all around us, what seems to control us, is brokenness and hurt and fear and guilt and shame. And Lord, we pray today that by the power of your spirit, you would give us a true experience of your grace that changes everything. Would you heal us today? And Lord, we stand before a hard word from Jesus. And we pray. We pray you would prepare us to hear the words of Christ and to receive them and to believe them and to follow him. We plead all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's a rule that remains untarnished. If you want to fill a room, let the four-year-old sing. <laughs> Boom! They're singing again the next hour if you missed it and want to come back. So there is that. So good to see you all this morning. We're in Matthew chapter 23, uh, where Sam just read for us. And um, friends, this is a, a hard passage. And I don't mean a hard passage in the sense that it's hard to intellectually understand. But I mean a hard passage in the sense that it's hard to receive it. And it's hard to hear it. And it's hard to listen to it. Because Jesus is really mincing no words in this passage. Mincing no words. Um, and one thing I'm learning um, is that we live in a day and time where if you're a little bit direct, a little bit on edge, a little bit angry, and, and maybe a little bit fired up, like that message can't be accepted and it gets discarded. Um, and I don't think that's right, by the way. I don't think we should yell and scream at one another, but I think some messages need to convey a seriousness that says, stop. This message conveys a seriousness that says, stop and listen. Because basically, what goes on 
in this passage is Jesus says to his listeners, to the people of Jerusalem, to all of the the Jews who have come to Jerusalem for um, Passover, he says, don't follow your leaders because they are hypocrites and the woe of God rests upon them. He says, don't follow your leaders because they're hypocrites and the woe of God rests upon them. So if repetition means anything, Jesus pronounces woe seven times, and he calls the leaders hypocrites six times. So we've entitled this sermon Hypocrites with an exclamation point. So not just hypocrites, like there's a, a, a little air of some hypocritical inconsistency in your life, but hypocrite. By the way, Sam, good job with those exclamation points. I saw that. Me and you, I saw that. Good job. Did you practice in the van on the way here? Even better. Man, gosh, I want to give you a hug, and I don't hug. That's so good. So, Jesus is not pronouncing woe and calling these leaders hypocrites to prove that he's right. And he's not doing it just to let some steam off. But he's doing it to lovingly guide his people toward himself. So Jesus is doing, he's he's issuing this warning to lovingly guide his people toward himself. Now, um, we're going to spend at least two weeks in this passage. I personally would like to give a sermon to all seven of the woes, but, but we'll pray about that. We'll see how it goes. Um, but ultimately what's going on here is Jesus is intending to lovingly lead his people toward himself by offering a clear rebuke of the religious leaders in Jerusalem on the week of Jesus' crucifixion. So let's look at it together. First point, if you're a note taker, is leaders and law. Leaders and law. This is verses 1 through 12. Verses 1 through 12. So notice here, Jesus is speaking to the crowds and to his disciples. In these 12 verses, he's not speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees, but he's speaking to the crowds about the scribes and Pharisees. So the scribes and Pharisees would be the religious leaders of Israel who have um, a teaching responsibility and have a heavy bent toward the law of Moses and observation of it. Now, let's notice what Jesus does almost immediately in verse 2. The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you. Now, so, so hear this. Jesus is very quickly clearing up what he's saying and from what he's not saying. What he's not saying is Moses is bad. 
What he's not saying is, don't listen to the law of Moses. What he's saying is, the people who sit in Moses' seat to teach you how to follow the Lord are misguided. So, Receive Moses from them, don't follow their way of life. Receive Moses from them, don't follow what they do. Receive Moses from them, but don't let them be your teacher, your tutor, your guide. Now, why this distinction? Why this distinction? Wouldn't it have just been a lot easier to say, look, I'm dying in four days. I'm fulfilling the law of Moses. Down with them. Follow me. Why not not that? Because Jesus wasn't preaching to future Christians. He's preaching to the people of Israel. And Jesus knows that Moses points to him. Jesus knows that the purpose of the law of Moses, by the way, if you're new to the scripture, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those are the first five books in your Bible. Jesus can say, listen to Moses, because Moses was ultimately about preparing the people to receive the Savior. Moses ultimately prepared the people to live for God's glory and to look for their Savior. So Jesus says, look, I'm not anti-Moses, I'm anti-scribes and Pharisees as it currently is playing out. Well, what are they doing? What are they doing? Jesus says, follow what they preach, but do not follow what they practice. So he's basically saying, when they read Moses to you, receive that. But when they tell you how they follow Moses... Don't do that because they're not doing it. Don't do that because they're not doing it. He tells us in verse 4, they place heavy burdens on people they are unwilling to bear. They place heavy burdens on people they are unwilling to bear. Now, I know we got some hardcore, some biblically conservative people here that would be like, well, if God says it, it doesn't matter how heavy it is. Fair enough. I'll grant you that. What the Pharisees were doing is they were adding to. They were adding to. So think about it this way. You have a prized possession in your home. Prized possession. Everybody imagining prized possession. We got it. Prized possession in your home. And the last thing you want is for your kids to touch said prized possession. Do you know what you want more than your kids to touch the prized possession? Your kids' friends to touch the prized possession. You know what you want less than your kids' friends to touch the prized possession? For kids in community at your house to get close to your prized possessions. That's a little insider redeemer joke. Um, so what do you do? You put prized possession in a safe place. You get a ring camera to watch prized possession. You put a geofence around prized possession such that you get a text when someone gets close to said prized possession. Why? Because we want to protect the prized possession. Okay, so what the scribes and the Pharisees were doing is they were adding all these other quote-unquote safeguards to keep people from disobeying Moses. 
And what Jesus basically says is, hey, all your safeguards don't do what you think they do. They're creating a, a burden that people cannot bear. So I think that's part of why Jesus is saying, listen when they speak Moses, but don't try to do what they say they try to do. He points out that they don't even try to do what they say that they try to do. He goes on to say, verse 5 and following, that these guys really aren't even interested in obeying the Lord or serving the Lord as much as they are doing all these things to give off the public view that they serve the Lord. He says they love titles and greetings. They love calling on people to follow them. He says they dress in very religious garb so as to make themselves look far more religious than they really are. Now, oh, this one's going to be tough here, okay? And here's why. First of all, because it's 953. That's number one. But number two, it's going to be tough because I could preach this portion of the passage in a way that elevates me as like the prototypical pastor and like pushes everybody down, okay? And if you've been here more than once, you know, not the prototypical pastor, okay? Just trying to fumble my way forward into faithfulness somehow. But Jesus is saying to his listeners, your leaders, even those with titles and roles, might not be worthy of following. That seems to be a very clear thing that Jesus is saying here. Some things to look for is those who add to what God has said. Those who, even with the best of intentions, add to what God has said. Some things to look for, those who place heavy burdens on people that God doesn't place on people. Those who place burdens and expectations on people that they themselves are unwilling to carry or bear. Those who act in public not because it's an overflow of who they are, but act in public because they want to look like something they are not. Those who are hyper-focused on titles, those who are hyper-focused on being greeted in deferential ways, those who make much of others belonging to them and needing to follow them. And, by, and that's coming from verse 8, words like rabbi, teacher, father. All those words weren't used in this setting the way we use them. They were used as like, I'm affixed to you. Like, you're my guide. Maybe you're my homeboy. However you want to do that. And so Jesus is saying to his followers, I want you to be warned. Why is that? Does he want them to be warned so, merely so he can elevate himself over the scribes and the Pharisees? No. Jesus doesn't have to elevate himself over the scribes and the Pharisees. It's who he is. Like, he is elevated over them. 
Jesus is warning, I would argue, out of grace and mercy and love. He's warning so that these folks would follow the right leader. And so he offers a correction here. So, so before, rather than me telling you what I think you should do with this, let's take what Jesus says we should do with it. Look at verse 9. He says, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Now look, you have, a, you have an earthly dad from whom you got DNA, from whom I hope you were raised and loved and cared for. And you can call him dad, you can call him papa, you can call him father. That's not what Jesus is. Jesus isn't worried about that. But he's saying, we have one ultimate authority, one person from whom we get our life. He's in heaven. He's our father. So the corrective is not, well, let's get better scribes and Pharisees, even though that might be necessary, but the corrective is, let's affix ourselves to the one father who is in heaven. Verse 10, neither be called instructors for you have one instructor, the Christ. That's weird because I don't know anybody who calls themselves an instructor, right? So linguistically, we're off a little bit. Um, we could have said teacher. We could have said tutor. And I think tutor might be the better word here because in this Greek culture, you, you see... Um, a person that a family would hire to teach their children pretty much everything about life, tutor. That word shows up in Galatians chapter 3 when Paul's talking about the law. And so he's saying, look, like, like you don't need a tutor. You don't need to follow Socrates around and learn life from Socrates. You don't need to follow Plato around and learn life from Plato. You don't need to follow these scribes and Pharisees around and learn life from them. Rather, you have one tutor, the Christ. You have one tutor, the Messiah. So Jesus is saying, the corrective to all of this is me saying, don't be blinded by the scribes and the Pharisees, but rather look straight to the Father by following Jesus, the Messiah. Look straight to the Father by following Jesus, the Messiah. Now, this starts to sound awfully similar to what we looked at last week, right? When Jesus said that all the mercy of God, all the grace of God, all the salvation of God comes through the Messiah, comes through him. And so here he's saying, don't be deceived by the scribes and the Pharisees, but look to Jesus and follow Jesus. So I would say this very clearly. Our takeaway from these 13 verses is this. We need to set our love, our allegiance, our commitment, our faith, and our hope on Christ, Jesus the Christ, the one true God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us follow Christ. 
So if you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, I would simply say I'm very thankful that you're here. Very thankful that you're here. And I want to say this with as much gentleness and humility as I can. Most of us separated from Christ will spend our lives looking for someone to lead us home. And we may have different definitions of home. Home is satisfaction. Home is acceptance. Home is pleasure. Home is joy. But ultimately, Every leader but Christ will fail us, just like these scribes and Pharisees were failing the Jews in the day of Jesus. So, I would plead with you, know this, Jesus is the Son of God. The Jesus who is told about here in Matthew came and lived and died and rose again to lead his people all the way home to a joyful, grace-filled, mercy-bathed life in the Father. So, run to Jesus. Second, Subject your leaders to Christ in all things. Subject your leaders to Christ in all things. Look, we have earthly leaders, right? You have a job, you got a leader. You go to school, you got a leader. You join this church, you have a group of leaders. You join another church, you have a leader. We all have leaders. But hear me, subject the words and direction and teaching of your leaders to Jesus. We have one instructor, one tutor, the Christ. I'll give you a little test. How about that? A little take-home test? Because you're all going, well, yeah, of course we do that. But I'm basically giving you permission to say, Jamie, I can't follow you because you're not following Christ. I'm actually encouraging you to do that. Maybe bring me a big piece of chewing gum to put in my mouth before you tell me that. Just, but, but I'll give you a little test. Go back up to um, chapter 22, verse 37. I'm sorry, 35. They asked Jesus the question, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these commandments depend on all the law and prophets. Now, I want you to go back home. I want you to get your phone out. I want you to open Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever your favorite social media app is. I want you to do the hard, hard soul work of scrolling back to 2020. Because we've all tried to pretend that it's gone. And I want you to look at all the things that you tweeted, liked, retweeted, reposted, celebrated, commented on in the year 2020. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Would I take that back if it violated Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 40? 
I'm not after you on any particular thing. I just think that's a really tough question. So subject your leaders to Christ in all things. Third, choose your leaders carefully. Choose your leaders carefully. It seems, if we really wanted to drill down here, it seems like Jesus is saying, the scribes and Pharisees were abject hypocrites. The woe of God was on them, and yet somehow the law of Moses was still getting through. Does that seem to be a fair way to read what's going on here? But if you could choose between abject hypocrites with the woe of God upon them and the word of God maybe slipping through, or you could choose someone who actually follows the Lord, actually serves the Lord, and the word of God was slipping through. I, I, I think I would go over here, right? Um, seems that, that a takeaway here is choose your leaders well. So there's one father, there's one instructor, and then there's a kind of a vision goal for us all. Verse 11, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Those who lead us well are those who serve us in following Christ. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So the the titles and the ramping up and the exalting of humanity, Jesus says, will ultimately be humbled. But those who humbly plod forward after Jesus with no pomp and no circumstance will be exalted. Friends, verse 12 and 11, 11 and 12, they're a check your heart at the door kind of verse. Are we a servant of others? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Serve, serve, serve. Can't stop serving. Check your heart at the door. Am I serving others or am I exalting self? Verse 12, those who are exalted will be humbled and those who are humbled will be exalted. Where, not, not if I am exalting myself, but where I am exalting myself, I'm not serving Christ. Because I can't exalt Christ in me at the same time. Where I am humble, it's not humble so I can be low, but it's humble so that Christ can be high. There is where exalting comes. Now, if you're a descendant of the scribes and Pharisees, you've heard this sermon so far and you've said, hey, this isn't fair. What did we do wrong? We need to know. You can't just say we're hypocrites. Like, what did we do wrong? That's what verses 13, by the way, Jesus can say what he wants to, but hypothetically, that's what verses 13 through 36 give us. Is Jesus announces seven woes over the scribes and Pharisees. And six times he calls them hypocrites. For today, we're just going to cling to this. The pattern of those woes is this. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. 
Repeated, repeated, repeated. I think for now, what we need to say is, let's not follow those who stand under the woe of God and are being pronounced as false people. But rather, let's run to the one true Father by following the one true Messiah and seeking to honor him in all that we say and do for the glory of his name. Next week, we're going to look at these seven woes because we do want to consider the cautions that Jesus is giving and consider them for ourselves. So our Father and our God, we do pray now that you would take these words from your scripture. And as much as what's been said this morning is true and is right, you would cause us to remember it, to believe it, to cling to it. Oh Lord, would you shape us, and teach us, and guide us. We plead all of this with you. Because of Christ. Because we long to follow Christ and for the glory of Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name.